What's up, everyone? This is Nate from Good Morning Liberty, and welcome to the Rehumanizing Project. Before I get into this, I want to tell you, go check out Matt's band, Shadow Strike. Go to shadowstrikeofficial.com. He is a musician, fellow musician. He knows what it's like to play shows, knows what it's like to be on the road, something that Charlie and I spent a lot of years doing. I miss it every day. There is no feeling like getting in front of a crowd on a stage and playing an instrument and just, I don't know. We talk about that at the very end, just kind of the feeling that you get. The, you can't describe it. Matt had some really cool stuff to say about why he plays music. And uh, it's just something I really related to a lot. People, music really does bring people together. And it is, it is cool to see a whole crowd of people all agreeing on something at the same time is how I, I've looked at it. It's really great. So anyway, I'm going to get you into this interview. If you like it, share it, tell a friend. Here you go. So my name is Matt. Um, I'm 29 years old. I'm almost 30, turned 30 this month. I identify, I guess, as a, a libertarian, although I'm more of a classical liberal than more philosophically libertarian. Because um, there's two, you know, there's like, you have like your really extreme libertarians that are more, um, you know, philosophically like, you know, the um, like, no force, no government at all. That you know, it's like those hardcore anarcho-capitalist libertarians. We're on more of like, I, there is a need for a government, but let's keep it localized as possible um, to do those things that you know are kind of in that gray area of like, can you know these be privately run um, uh, functions, or is it better if it's in a localized um, governmental situation where people just you know pay some taxes to have it run? Um, as far as my family background, my family, um, pretty much all of them were um, Republicans. They were all in the Republican Party. Um, my grandfather on my mother's side was a Republican committee man here on Long Island for a little bit. And my grandfather on my father's side actually worked in the New York State Park Commission. And he was, I think he was the last living person. I don't know if you know who it is, but he worked with um, Robert Moses, who was like a huge, huge, huge political force here in like the early 20th century um he was um he built all of the parkways and all of like the highways from the city that go into the um uh into the island and uh all the bridges that go into the beaches on fire island down here um i've heard so the name we kind of, and yeah. he might sorry i said i've heard the name before but yeah yeah he's uh yeah he, he's um he, he, he was a big, big political, for, like, if you wanted to build something in New York City, like, you, even if you got okay from the mayor of New York City at that time, you would have to go to Robert Moses to get approval. Like, he, he was, you know, he was like this big lobbyist kind of political force in, in the city. Um, he actually... It's my understanding he he's actually the reason why the Brooklyn Dodgers, if you know any baseball, like actually had to move to Los, Los Angeles because he wouldn't approve them to uh, rebuild their stadium. Mm. Um, he was just like, nah, like wow. I don't want the I don't want them there. <laughs> so they were like, oh, well, we can't we can't build it, even though the mayor of New York City and uh, they were like, yeah, we can do it, but he didn't want it. Um, so I, I I think that background in um, politics and 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 things, um, I kind of was involved with politics from like an early age kind of like knew like what was going on like earlier than most people but i didn't really fully grasp it because you know when you're a kid it's just like you kind of just repeat what your parents say but you don't really um 
you don't really kind of fully understand it. But I got to see like, you know, just from listening to my grandparents and my um, my parents talk that, you know, it's like, oh, government is a bad thing. And it's like a corrupt thing. And they, you know, there's all these like weird, you know, um, things that go on in government. And it wasn't until maybe I was in high school um, that I found out about Milton Friedman. And I, you know, like that's what, like when I was in high school, like YouTube was just coming out. And I remember I was just like looking around on YouTube and it was uh, high school was the, it was getting around to the 2008 election, but like, you know, it was like, okay, Bush's second term's coming to an end. And like now all the Republicans, all the Democrats are coming out and they're all saying a bunch of stuff. So I was just looking at politic videos on YouTube and I found Milton Friedman. I think that the first the first video I found on him was um, it, it was that classic video of uh, what, he's on Phil Donahue and he's talking about greed. And he's like, oh, with, you know, and you see all the have nots and you see, all you know, and, and he's like, oh, what society's greed? You know, is there a society that doesn't run on greed? So that was when I was like, oh, wow. And I started looking into it. And then, you know, I started looking into his uh, writings and everything. And then, you know, libertari- libertarianism came up and. I was like, wow, this is this is how I feel about everything. You know, it's like, I don't care what you do. Just, you know, leave me alone and like, do what you want to do. I'm not going to, you know, attack you or anything. Like, why should the government be involved in, you know, us doing anything at all? <laughs> so yeah. um, 2008 came around. Ron Paul was running. I missed that election by like two weeks because I turned 18 in 2008. Um uh, November 22nd. So I missed it by a couple of weeks, but I was like, crap. Like, no, I couldn't, I couldn't like vote in the primaries or anything. Um, so when it was time for me to register, um, I registered as a Republican only. So if Ron Paul ran again, I'd be able to vote for him because here in New York, um, the registration laws are really weird. Like we ran into a problem in 2012 where a bunch of Democrats wanted to leave the Democrat party to join um, the Republican party. So they could vote for Ron Paul in the in, in the in the primaries in the Republican primaries in 2012. But in New York, if you miss a certain deadline, you get um, you, you don't switch over into the next party until after the the, the election day. It's actual election day in November. So people were leaving the Democrat Party to join the Republican Party, but they couldn't vote in the Republican uh, primary <laughs> because the laws here are really. You know, it's like catered to you can't just like leave the party and then join, join anything you want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like yeah, that's pretty much, that's pre- I, I le- and then a- after the 2012 election, I, I, I voted, for, I wound up voting for Gary Johnson in 2012. Um, and then I left the Republican Party because it was just like, all right, well, they screwed over Ron Paul and they changed all those rules. And that national convention in 2012 was just ridiculous that you know like you had delegates getting up and leaving that were supporting i was just like i'm like i'm like all right this is you know there's no chance for a libertarian republican to do anything in this at all so i uh, i left the republican party that was my chance was ron paul and i was like all right i'm gonna join the libertarian party so i i joined the new york libertarian party which at that time we weren't on the ballot and i technically wasn't in the libertarian party i was i was considered independence dash other libertarian because <laughs> yeah. there was just some weird but um thanks to larry sharp running um in 2018 i uh had my first libertarian primary earlier this year for the, the state things and uh that was that was interesting because i was i think i was like the only one in my town that was <laughs> a libertarian and they were like oh wow it's a libertarian and they, they gave me the uh the voting ballot so um now we're here and uh 
We're just I'm, sitting back and getting I would our love to see Larry Sharp him. win. That would have that that would have been great. I like him a lot. <laughs> I'm a fan. Yeah. Yeah. Take me back to uh, the high school days. You said, in, you know, in 2008, you were you just started looking up things on YouTube. What were discussions like uh, with your friends at that time? Uh, um, still kind of what bare, bare, bare minimum. They were just kind of, you know, they're they're kind of like, oh yeah, you, you know, they were kind of in their repeating parent stages for for a lot of them. They could kind of they could kind of think about like things, but I mean, you you know, looking looking back on, um my the, the people I talked to and, and my, my friends that I had back then and then like you know like looking at what they what they're like posting online now or like what you know, I, I talk to them about now it's like a complete 180 you know or in, in a lot of senses like like it's like wait a minute like you were saying this back then and then sometimes you're saying this now but I mean that's expected I mean people mature you know like you when you when you're that old and you think you know what's going on and then you kind of you know you start developing you're, you know, like it's like that late high school, early college years, you start developing your sense of, of self and they kind of form their own, their own opinions. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, with uh, the university um, think tank, uh, a lot of, a lot of times it turns into a, a, a left-leaning, um, you know, so, you know, that democratic socialism kind of uh, uh, mindset, but um yeah, I mean, it was they, they, they were, you know, some some of them were like, oh, yeah, McCain, McCain can't have Obama. And then some of them were like, oh, Obama is going to like ruin everything. And I mean, it really and, you know, looking back on it, they were probably just reflecting what their parents were saying um, to, to some to some extent. Um, um, but there weren't any like, you know, I, I none of my friends had like the really ridiculous like, you know, oh, Obama's from born in kenya and he's gonna go to there and he's gonna blow up the whole entire you know they're just like no and like you know he's a communist and and it's just like oh okay <laughs> you know my my um i got most of the the right side stuff from like my my parents my dad um used to listen to a lot of like you know like the hannity like the, the talk radio stuff and that was that that was that, that was another big thing that kind of changed my you know like that kind of pushed me towards the libertarian side during that time is because in the whole like primary thing, you know, the whole primary season with the 2008 election, they're going like, oh, Mitt Romney. And they were talking about who uh, Fred Thompson was running. And they're like, oh, these guys, oh, Mitt Romney, Fred Thompson, they have to they have to get the nomination. And they're, you know, look, look at this John McCain. He's a moderate and he's no good and, and everything. And this is, you know, like coming from like Hannity and Limbaugh and stuff like that. And then, you know, then McCain gets the nomination. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, John McCain is going to save the country. He's a great maverick. He knows what he's doing. I'm like, I'm like, come on. Like, what do you, you know, yeah. it's, it was that and they do they, they do the same thing now with with you know they did the same thing with trump when he was running in 2016 oh he's going to ruin the republican party he you know like up and then he's now if you say anything bad against trump then it's you know you're you know oh god oh how can you say anything bad against trump just and never trumper yeah it's um it's a so that that kind of pushed me away from the the, the neocon side of thing i was like nah that's <laughs> i'm sorry if the guy's bad he's, he's bad it doesn't matter if he has an elephant next to his name or there's something fishy here yeah exactly so, so why yeah. not go towards uh you said you're you know classical liberal uh, mm-hmm. which i would say i think the libertarian party needs to do a better job marketing and figuring out what libertarianism actually is or what oh, the libertarian yeah, party that's... 
said because a lot of people do think anarchy and there are a lot of anarchists who are who are in the libertarian party but the actual libertarian party is is not putting forward the idea of getting rid of the government in in any kind of way so i think there's a really massive uh, the, i think there's a really really big disconnect between what uh, libertarian party candidates and people within the libertarian party uh, think about think about things uh, but what why would you say you went towards more freedom more individual choices uh, instead of moving towards trying to uh, fix things for people that were hurting or, or whatever it was, especially when you're thinking politics at a lot younger age. A lot of people that are younger typically go towards this utopian idea that we can just give everything to everyone. And uh, do you have any any kind of examples uh, specifically from when you were younger that would make you go, other than your parents, I guess, being re Republican, um, any kind of examples like uh, having to having the work? Did you grow up, you know, wealthy, poor? Uh, what kind of made you go more towards that line instead of just saying we need a utopia government for everyone? So there were a lot of things in there. Um, yeah. So the, the first thing, yeah, I agree that um, I think the Libertarian Party's biggest problem is they, the philosophy, the, the hardcore philosophy like that I was talking about before, really, um, it, 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 it's almost paradoxical that, you know, some, a, a group of people that want extremely little government or no government at all are, have a political party running for government in a constitutional government that has a set of rules. So it, it, I think the, the, the more hardcore people in the party, the, um, that don't want a government at all, it's all they're, they're the, I think they're, they sometimes are the, the, the ones that are, um, the, the loudest and and against new people coming in or people that are trying to understand what's going on with the libertarian party and i think that kind of turns people away because they they come off as like the like oh well you people just don't want government and everyone wants to smoke weed and you're just republicans with guns or democrats with you know it, it's it, they kind of chase everybody away and to me um I, I think the libertarian party needs to needs to really just be like look like i they, they need to take the, the the philosophy out of the politics with it a lot of times where like you kind of have like you can still keep that some of the core beliefs with it like the non-aggression principle and things like that but um they have to kind of tone it down and 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 bring it back to that classical liberal sense where like look like we do live in a country we do have a constitution. We have to follow this document. What's the best way we can follow this with the least amount of government possible and within the guidelines of this? And really, I mean, that's to, to me, it's um, uh, it's more like a consequential libertarianism where like, you know, you, you look at the the. The um, like the outcome of actions that you make and um, as far as me growing up um, and, and if like what attracted me to that was uh it, it just works <laughs> i mean you know like you just you you look you look at history I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big history guy um i have uh in my my um bachelor's degree is in um german language and then i have two concentrations which it, the degree is all over the place but i have a concentration and a minor concentration in music technology and then another one in european history specifically in like um german history um, so like, I, I love history. I'm a big, I'm a big history guy. And you just, you just look at it, you just look at what has happened economically in, in the past. And you just see like the more that the government is not involved in 
people's lives and the market and dictating things, the better everybody is. And, you, you know, you, you look at like when I, I don't know when your families um, came over to America, but, you know, like in the 20th century, like when my families came to America, they, you know, there was like no government involvement that, you know, like why, you know, why would people be coming here if it was such a horrible wasteland of, <laughs> of people being taken advantage of and thrown in sweatshop, you know, like, no, like we're coming over in boatloads, like to, to come here and, and be, and be free and may, and earn a living and start a life. And, and um, it, it, you know, like you just, you just look at history and that's what really was just like, wow. Like, you know, you do look at history and then it's like, Oh, well, what about monopolies? Yeah, 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 the monopolies. And, and it's like, yeah, well, the government created all the monopolies, you know, like we even learn about that. And I don't know, in, in the states that you grew up in, um, but like New York State, like, you know, like the, the history is very like bare and for probably for a good reason <laughs> for, for New York State. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you, you, it's like, oh, well, the, the railroad monopolies and, the, you know, and then the government made this law and then the monopolies got strong. It's like, wait a minute. Hold up. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Can we trace that back you know, for like, a second? Yeah. To trace that back to how that started right there. Maybe a government law potentially made that monopoly better. <laughs> That's what I would <laughs> yeah, exactly, say. Exactly. So it's like, it, it's so, you know, they, they kind of, they, they kind of gloss over everything and uh, it, it just, you know, it was like one thing led to another and it was like, all right. And then, then there's also the, I, I guess like the moral side of it is, you know, I grew up Catholic. Um, my, my parents are Catholic. And then I kind of, around that time, I, I was kind of like, I don't know, like, I'm still like now I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a non uh, non denominational Christian, um, where it's just you know I read I read the Bible. I take what I need from it, and I have my own relationship with God. And I don't need some old guy telling me you know <laughs> sitting in sitting next to the Swiss guard telling me what yeah. uh, what, yeah. I, what I, I can make out of it. So um, you know I it, there's like the moral side where you know like if, if you you know you read the Bible and he's telling you know in the Bible, it says, you know, to donate your money and stuff like that. But he's not saying, well, you know, the bureaucrat in Washington, D.C. or, you know, bureaucrat in Rome has to write down the legislative laws and we should have a 50 percent tax rate. Our corporate gains tax needs to be 70 percent because we have to help the poor people. And in the name of God, you know, it's like it's like, you know, there's no you have to do it on your own. And and really, you know, the, the best way to maximize private charity is if people have more money and more things to give and you don't have more money to give if you're you know spending it on tax money into um uh uh, washington and they're you know saying this is going to go to help poor people and then they're building you know navy ships out of it and then they're you know you look at the congressman that just got elected who made forty thousand dollars a year and then you know then he's a millionaire the second year he's in he's in office and it's like it's like where did all the you know like what are we you know what are we actually paying for you know it's it's so there's a lot of little things and it's like i was following the breadcrumbs and uh, you know it was like all right like you know the government it but that's again why i I favor the more localized government because like I, i i do believe like if if there's a government program or a government um uh service or good or anything that the government can produce for people and it's efficient it's cost effective and it's uh and it 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 does a good job at what it, it, it's aimed to do it should be done at as local a level as possible because then you know you and me we you know living in a town we know like oh okay that that women's health center isn't really clean let's you know like let's go to town hall and ask the you know, our mayor, what, what the hell's going on with that? Or like, Oh, the, you know, the welfare, it doesn't seem like 
the welfare money we're spending on our taxes and our town is helping the poor people in our town. Like, let's go to town hall. Whereas like Washington or even, even at a state level, you know, it's like, you know, try, try getting a meeting with your governor, you know, try, especially in New York. I mean, you get like, forget it, you know, you, Oh, you have to fill out this form to get this form. Then you have to fill this form out to get this. You're on a waiting list. You know, it's, it's, it's not good. So I just, I, I, I favor the, the small stuff because it just works. You know, it, you just, you look at it and you can, you, you look at history, you follow, you know, all the clues of history. And in every instance that government gets involved in almost anything, it, it always turns up bad. So I just, I, I pretty much was like, all right. Yeah, we don't have let, one let me, great let, me, let me follow this. It has to be a different way. Yeah, exactly. Do you have any um, Do you have any fears uh, uh, that kind of drive any of your decisions at all, um, or is it mainly you've just you know you've done your research, you've dug into the material, and at the end of the day, with history and everything else, it just it's the one that makes the most sense, or maybe a combination. Um, I, I wouldn't say any fears. Um, you know, I, 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 I think it's, it's more um, frustrating, <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, you want, you want to see, I mean, of course, you know, and, you know, likely so the other side can say the same thing. Um, you know, it's, oh, it's frustrating. Like, you know, all these people, you want to see poor people die and, you know, oh, you know, you want to control, a, you know, what, what a woman does with her body. And, you know, and the Republicans, oh, you, you're not American. You don't care about the troops. And, you know, it, it's, you know, I guess it gets frustrating no matter what. But I think it's more frustrating because it's it, to, to me and and early on when like um, Joe Jorgensen got the um, nomination, I was in their uh, I was in their group. Um, like the Joe and Spike group. And I was posting a lot of memes and stuff like that. And I, I posted one and it was the meme with, uh, uh, from predator with, uh, uh, Carl Weathers and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And they, they, you know, they have their arms locked and I put, um, I put libertarians and, and Bernie supporters. And then I would put things like, um, end corporate, uh, welfare and things like that. And there were people like, uh, like, Oh, like we can't be involved. You know, they, like the you can see like frustration is like it, it gets so frustrating to people that they don't even want to like acknowledge like well we believe the same thing you know like we, we it's like yes we don't want corporate welfare we don't want you know we, we we don't want um poor people living in the country but like it's the it's the means and how to get to that is is the difference so to me that's what's like frustrating is like people can't see they can't they they're very one-dimensional and you know they they don't they they, they can't see that there, you know, there's multiple ways to do this. And then, you know, they, again, it kind of goes back to that, you know, that viewpoint from the outside of libertarians is like, you know, I, like one thing that was more surprising to me was the amount of people that would say like, Oh, you just want corporations to run everything. It's like, what? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, no, like, <laughs> it's like, what, where, who's, who said that, you know, it's, um, so it kind of gets frustrating and to, 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 to be a little more like active in, in, and getting the word out, it, it you know you need to it, you have to take a more calm approach. Be like, no, and I mean, I have I have some friends that are um, uh, like hardcore socialists, so like like they like they hardcore hardcore socialists, and I can actually just have a normal conversation with them because like you know they they it, it's it's the way that you present it to people and 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 get the information across but I, I wouldn't say i'm afraid of like anything happening i mean if, if it happens like so like let's just say like all of a sudden you know like let's say biden wins this thing and 
he gets the convertible ride in Dallas and then Harris becomes the president. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going <laughs> to, <laughs> you, you're going to get, uh, you know, and let's say, let's say we all go, let's say we all go socialist. Um, we're, uh, I mean, if we didn't do a good job persuading people, you know, they're going to have, we're going to have to, you know, keep trying to persuade them even under those circumstances. We can't really, you know, we can't be afraid to, speak what we're uh you know what we're what we're trying to get across with with personal freedom and and, and things and I, I i really don't see any reason to be afraid i, I and, and even even if Biden becomes president and you know he, he i really don't see that much changing um politically in washington um for a while but i i do see that the the people in the country we're just you know we're we're just we're doing this you know we're we're going yeah complete opposite ways and that's going to eventually come to a head because then you're going to wind up with um a, a very it, it, I'm, I'm just i'm waiting for i'm waiting for the election to happen where you know it just everything is just tied <laughs> the electoral college is just tied and mm-hmm. it's just like nothing's going to happen and it's just you know it's 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 eventually there's something that's going to happen one of these elections with people and that's just my theory on it where like it's just like the, the country is so separated and so divided that I don't see how, you know, and, and again, like back to, back to your point is that, you know, it, it is, it is kind of scary for people, but it, it's, it's scary in the sense when, because they're putting all their stock in a person running for president and they, you, you know what I mean? And and that's why, like, that's how, like, that's how you get, like, it's like, no, it doesn't matter. Like, it, like they're not supposed to be doing anything. Like, yeah, they can do something, but I mean, like some of these people, you know, you look back when like Obama was running, it was like, Oh, it's a communist and America's going to be ended. And all women are going to be wearing burkas because he's a secret Al Qaeda agent. And <laughs> we're doing, you know, and it's, it's like, when, it's like, wait, like that didn't happen. Yeah. And now with Trump, it's all oh, of Trump. Um, all the gay people are going to be shot, and it's just like you know, it's like wait, it's like it's like where where is all this coming? You know, it's like yeah, we get it. You don't like the guy, but you're not going to like die from him getting a lot. I mean, it's. Do you think the media is you know, one of the uh, the the biggest perpetrators oh, yeah. of like? I mean, just the divisiveness between everyone. Do you think this is more on the? I know the politicians are down with it too, but I feel like the media has really gone off the deep end since trump got into office oh no it i don't yeah i don't pay attention to like media on 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 tv and and the radio even um basically you know i i have you know like your podcast i do liberty report i do tom woods um just to kind of get like you know what's the current events going on i have um reason i i look at um and then um, I kind of just I kind of just follow, you know, some, you know, people like, you know, if somebody shares like an article uh, and le- le- like, you know, let's just say something happens and like CNN posted, I'll read the CNN post, an article on it and I'll laugh at it because it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, you know, like the you have your your quotes from people and then the middle of the statement is cut out with you know non quotes and then the, the quote goes back into it Just dot <laughs> dot like, dot yeah. you can yeah. make, you can make uh, any you quote that, say anything go to you fox want. news and <laughs> you know fox news you know saying that they're going to you know blow up the white house cuz they're all terrorists and everything and then then i laugh at that and then you know i kind of try and form my own opinion on it or like I'll I'll look independently, or, or you know, like with the whole the whole shooting incident with uh um like the kid uh I forget his name um Kyle Rittenhouse, yeah yeah Rittenhouse um you know it was like 
we listen to both sides and, you know, Fox News, always oh, a hero. American Hero Patriot is a hero. CNN, always oh, a terrorist. And then it's like, all right, well, let's watch the video and like see what happened. It's like stupid kid made a really stupid decision going there and very unfortunate things happen. And, you know, you have adrenaline pumping. He's a teenager with hormones and testosterone kicking in. And, you know, you, you're going to wind up in bad situations. And I, if people... I, I think identity politics really separated people and that was definitely pushed by media, definitely pushed by politicians. And it, it's mm-hmm. now it, it, when you have a disagreement in politics, it's, it's, um, it's an attack against you. It's not an attack against, it's, it's not an attack against a, a political belief or a philosophy or, or an idea. It's not an attack of ideas. It's an attack against you as a person and your way of life. If, if you're a Republican and, and you don't agree with what the Democrats are doing and, and if you want to take away my rights and it's like, no, like I can't take away your rights. It's protected in the Constitution. Like, you know, it, it's it's very it's very interesting. Um, and it, it happened over a long period of time. This was this isn't just like something that just, you know, randomly happened like over the course of four. This is like decades of seeping in these identity politics for like pretty much the whole 20th century. And now with the way that information is spread, it's just easier for media to do that i think and it's um uh it's 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 sad that you know people are that afraid of of a certain person getting elected as president you know it's like the i I know past couple of weeks you know i I think it was on your podcast you're mentioning like uh there's like that rule where as soon as you mention hitler you lose the debate it's like yeah that's that's, um that's you know it's it's like that's pretty much where we're at now. It's like, Oh, he's like this, or, you know, it's like, Oh, well, you know, Donald Trump is Pol Pot and he's going to kill Cambodia. It's like, it's like, you know, it's like, you can't even, you can't even talk to people like that because they, they don't, they're coming at it from their, 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 um, their logic is coming purely from emotions and that's not sound logic. You, you can't, you know, and I, and I understand, I mean, like when, like for like, you know, um, somebody who you know if you're like transgender if you're a woman like abortion you know for like gay marriage or whatever um and somebody you know that the media keeps telling you we're like taking taking things and 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 really like saying like well like like let's say like trump is against gay marriage and and all that stuff it's like you know they're gonna take the one thing hammer it home and then, you know, you're going to be afraid for your, your way of life. And I, you know, I don't think that anybody who gets elected can take any of that stuff away anymore. And I think really the pandemic showed that no matter what the president really wants to do, um, if he's a Republican president in any way, the Democratic governors are going to open up the Bill of Rights and look at old number 10 and go, oh, yeah, this thing exists. <laughs> the, the president, Death, the president, can't, do it. The president can't just do what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you've, you've seen a lot of that. I've seen a lot of posts uh, lately that, um, you know, I, I saw one story that was like, uh, those of you who uh, voted a certain way, you know, don't be screaming uh, and, you know, berating people who are legitimately scared that they're losing rights. That's just your privilege showing uh, because... <laughs> Because you're not, you're not afraid of losing your rights. And I would say two things to that. One, I agree with what you said. And then the other thing is like, wouldn't we say the government has too much power at this point if, if, if the people we're voting for can legitimately take people's rights away? They don't, yeah, they don't. They don't. They, generally, I found that they, they don't take that part into consideration. And it's more of a um, they kind of look at it as. It, it, what's 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 funny is 
they're they're usually the first people to say that uh that um Ayn Rand is uh, a horrible person and everything she did and and everything is is terrible but really they're coming at it from sort of a objectionism point of view an objectionist point of view is that they they don't care if the government gets big as long as it supports what they want because that's the moral thing to do it's it's morally good for the government to be taking care of every of all these these things and um because that's the right thing that's the right thing to do and and it, it's just a it's 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 almost funny in a way that that's like you know that's pretty much what you know rand was saying but in a more you know like oh we can't we can't have government and we can't you know be forcing people to be nice because that's the moral thing to do and, and everything yeah. so um it, it's kind of funny how that 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 works yeah, out. I feel but like I, the moral argument doesn't really work. Like when I say taxation is theft, I don't think mm-hmm. there that does nothing for someone who is oh, a not, socialist or anyone. Because the, if given the question, uh, if there was someone with a million dollars and someone right here that was starving, is it okay to steal money from that person right in front of their face with a gun to their head? They would say yes every single time. The yeah, argument, no, the argument does not play for them whatsoever. I think the only argument that plays is that is not the best way to help that person. If you actually want to help this person, let's talk about the best way to do that and to help all the people after them so they don't have to continue living in this terrible situation for the rest of their lives. And that is the only argument, in my opinion, that you can actually make that could someday work on people like that. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where, that's where, um, that's why I'm, I'm definitely, I would definitely, you know, if you really, really want to get detailed and specific about it, I would definitely say I'm a, I'm a consequentialist libertarian because I'm also, I'm also open to, you know, like I'm all about what works and I'm all about what is the best solution and the best way that we as humankind know now to have the best benefit for, uh, you know, everybody. And it's not going to be perfect. We're not going to be, you know, holding hands, singing around the campfire. There's going to be people that are, are you know, struggling. There's going to be people that are more well off. But at the end of the day, you, you know, you need to have a sense of proportion with it. And you have to realize that, you, you know, that what is the system that's going to benefit us now? Next week, if all of a sudden some economist comes out of, out of somewhere and he actually has a model that is like, this is the, this is the new way. It's not capitalism. It's not socialism. This is this is a new economic form. And it's like, oh, that actually is going to work. You know, I would you know, I would want to see, you know, more you know data on it. And I would be open to a different a different system. But so far, as we know, and that history shows us is capitalism and for like free, not corporatism like what we got now, but, you know, actual capitalism, free, you know, free market capitalism helps the most amount of people that, that, that out of, out of anything else and whether or not, you know, whether or not, yeah, yeah, you know, maybe it would be nice if the guy with a million dollars would, you know, indulge in charity and give the, give the person, give the person his money. But, you know, who, you know, who are we to, to force that upon him? And is that really even solving a problem? Like, like, you know, when now, now what, now what you're doing is you're just making the millionaire even more jaded and now they're going to be like, well, now I have to put my money in offshore accounts so the government can't take it from me. And then they're then they're looking around. Then now they're getting around the system, and now they're doing things that, you know, it's like they weren't doing what they were being accused of doing. And then by accusing them of hoarding money and and not caring about the poor, you're making them 
get jaded and then they're actually now they're actually doing it and they're like a you know it's like it takes away it, your it, sense of needing to be altruistic uh, when you have a government that's going to forcefully do it from other people's pockets for you you know like i think we all grow up with less of that sense of needing to help people or needing to give the charity because i've heard people say a million times yeah i give about 15 20,000 to charity every year via my taxes that come out of my come out of my check and so you you don't grow up with this idea that we are supposed to personally help other people. Uh, you grow up with the idea that someone's forcefully taking money from me and they're supposed to be doing it. So it's on them. It's taken it's taken for granted. And a lot of the government programs are taken for granted. And the 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 thing is, is that you shouldn't take a government program for granted because a lot of these a lot of these government programs are, you know, they're made temporary when they're first conceived, but you know, they're never, they never go away. I mean, like you look at um, something completely unrelated to um, social things, but uh, around, I think it was, it, it was great depression, world war two time. Um, the uh, uh, rural um, electric associate, I, I think it was the, 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 the EA, I, I, forget, I forget the, you know, the acronym for it, but um, it was it basically, it was this temporary government, um, agency made to go into rural areas where they didn't have electricity and they would set up um, electricity and it was supposed to do it um, through a certain amount of time and then it was supposed to go away. Um, in the 90s, they got rid of it, but they they incorporated it into, um, uh, I think it's, um, what agency is it? it it's, I think, I want to say it's it's in agriculture. It's, in, it's, it's like a sub- um, department in the Department of Agriculture, and they're spending they're spending uh, nine hundred eighty um, uh, million dollars a year on going into rural, uh, look, looking at like rural communities and giving them electric. And it's like what? <laughs> it's, like, it's like you know. I mean, I think you know, but, you know, save the Amish. I mean, I think <laughs> and Detroit. I think you know everybody has electricity <laughs> in parts of um, California at different times. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. So, yeah they have you know <laughs> a day, b day. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, no. What are you talking about? They're going to have, you know, by 2030, it's going to be all electric. <laughs> exactly. over there. You brought up a really interesting point, which is, um, and I want to kind of spin it a little different way, but you brought up an interesting point about how the the system has become so cumbersome that the people with the money, well, they're forced not to participate in the system anymore. Otherwise, you know, their money is going to be stolen from them. And uh, I mean, you see this right now with the mass exodus from these, uh, you know, mainly progressive states with high taxes. Um, and so, you know, the, the people just aren't going to sit there and, and, you know, be taxed to death. And I just, uh, I find it interesting that, uh, from Milton Friedman, which you brought up at the beginning here is that uh, he harped on taking policy and looking at its actual uh, effects and not the intention of that policy. And I think, exactly, yeah. yeah, and I think we lose sight of that. It's, it's always about, oh, well, you know, why don't you vote for this guy? Because this is all, doesn't this all sound really good? Um, but when you actually implement those policies we've seen over history, which is why history is also one of my favorite uh, things ever that, that it doesn't play out as promised. Um, and it doesn't even play out even close to as promised. Mm -hmm. It's, it's always worse, uh, especially when the prediction comes from government. And, um, I, you know, I wonder what leads to that disconnect and that, uh, divisiveness between people, um, that that's and that's part of why we started this like what what really drives that like what what makes people so angry when you have a difference of opinion that they're willing to resort to violence because uh, that's really i mean that's what we're seeing and that's where we're headed i mean 
as far as politics are concerned, this is the most violence I can remember. I know there were other riots and stuff that broke out, you know, before this, but to me, it's a lot more widespread, or at least it's being covered a lot more than, than I've seen throughout history in, in, in America. It's, it, it's, in my opinion, it's the education system for the past, well, like 40 years now, I think. And I, I think definitely the education system and definitely the media. And it's the politicians inability to, um, give up give up their control over 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 people and whether they do it um subconsciously or or, or consciously i mean I, I think you know i think we all can you know kind of figure which politicians are doing it consciously and which ones really you know they have the the good intent you know the the the, the do-gooder politician that really thinks they're going to be making a difference it's something um but they they're just you know misled in when they're you know philosophy and their, their political beliefs but you know some of them i mean i i mean i could say cuomo is definitely a conscious power grabber i mean you know you name one of the major bridges in new york after your father you you know you, he and he's like some, something that he does really really well is he makes um a lot of like committees and a lot of um groups in new york so like okay i'm gonna make the, the you know the, the the transit committee i'm gonna make the energy committee and then when all the you know all the corruption happens he goes well it wasn't me this guy's head of the committee i wasn't you know it's like a mob boss almost yeah i wasn't doing it you know it was this guy it's his fault and then that guy gets in trouble not not him um i think those three things you know so the the inability of the politicians to give up their conscious or unconscious power education definitely and and media and especially with education i think you know over time and um it, you know people are you 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 learn about like the riots and like the civil rights you learn about um things that happened in india in the 40s and you know gandhi and you learn about you know the revolutionary war and everything and i think the it, the way that it's being spun is that you know oh we you know see um protests and revolution changes things and it's true it does it does change things but the, the when they get to a higher education level because now everybody and you know their brother goes to college because that's what you know grade school throughout the country it's basically just saying like oh you're going through grade school so you can go to college they don't even really bring up trade school they don't bring up you know any of that stuff so like now i have all these people going into a very progressive think tank where you know, you have jaded professors that are, you know, educating people, but that, you know, th these are trained educators, trained lecturers, trained speakers that know how to manipulate thing, you know, like they, 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 they can manipulate through words and they're using their authority to show that they know what they're talking about. And when you have, you know, a wide eyed idealistic uh kid i mean really the college kid they're, they're, they're kids you know and they, they go in there and they you know i've seen some i've seen some like republican people like you know real like you know like oh grew up in a conservative family in a conservative town they go off to college and they come back and you know they got like purple hair and they're like oh you go you're you're fascist you're hitler and it's just like what happened to you like, you know, like, <laughs> like what's, going, what's going on i mean not that there's anything wrong with getting purple hair but you know it's like you know like that you know stereotypical you know uh progressive you know, you know look uh, uh, and it's it's like it's like what it's like what what happened to you like you, you were you know you grew up in a 
and a nice community. You know, you were, you, you, I mean, you want to talk about privilege. Like, yeah, you were, you, you grew up in a privileged area and, you know, you, you should work hard and, you know, make sure that you provide the same for your family. It's just victim. It's just like victimhood aspect of it that gets ingra- ingrained into people. And they, and, and that the only way to, to overcome that is with violence and, and with, with, um, and, and everything. And there is blame, you know, and that's, that's on the left really. Um, I, I, I see the most. And then on the right is this, this hypocritical, I was listening to, um, it was the last episode you put up, I think with, uh, your friend Morgan, I, I think, and you, you guys mentioned, um, how, you know, you were, you're talking about, um, uh, like the Republican party and, and people who support guns. And there is, there's a, there's a big hypocrisy there is that you know they're you know oh i want the gun and everything and like but then when the cops do something it's like oh you know blue lives matter we have to you know support the the, the police officers like it's like wait but that's why you have the second amendment is when like the cops start shooting at protesters and stuff you have to get in there and be like wait you know like hold on and i mean you do see some groups that that were doing that they were kind of like the, these i i guarantee and i don't even think we're going to know the real numbers but i guarantee there were definitely some militia groups during all the protests over the summer that were there on an impartial they weren't protecting businesses and they weren't you know helping police but they were just in there to kind of like you know keep calm in in the situation and Mm -hmm. i think in a lot of areas i mean you'll see you know pictures of like spike you know out there and you know he's with like you know you have have, you know hispanic people african-american people white people like all with like guns and you know he's taking pictures with them all and i think like in those areas where there were you know more multicultural like militias and and the, they clearly weren't on one side or the other they're just like we don't want the city to burn down like let's not shoot anybody but like just say like hey if you come over here we're gonna you know like do something if you act up and you know you saw that in nevada with the the ranch was it the bundy ranch is that what it was yeah the, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah the, uh the, you know it's gonna come take the land whether or not that guy was a nice stand-up citizen i think he turned out to be some like really like he had some other criminal things going on with him, if I remember correctly. But, you know, the point is the government just can't go on your land and take your land. And, you know, you had people from all over the country going there and there was a standoff. And, you know, I, I guess the downside to that, we won't get a Netflix series like Waco about it. But <laughs> I mean, bad. the ATF, you know, they were licking their chops at the Bundy Ranch, but they didn't get to do it because now more people showed up. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I he was acquitted uh, was in he? federal court. Yeah. 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 He, um, there was, there was, there was something else, but I mean, you know, just looking over reports that uh, he, he, there there was another instance where he did something and like, he was technically guilty, but he was, I think he was acquitted with that too. It was kind of like, Oh, maybe this guy's just like, you know, being a scotch with it. And he's, you know, he's like really just trying to stir stuff up. But, like, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I didn't look too much into it. Yeah. I just knew like the principle of the matter was like the government, federal government's coming in to seize land and these people from all over the country with guns came there and like held them off. And was just like, no, like, no. Yeah. So, the, well, I mean, the original thing started over grazing fees um, from the Bureau of Land Management. And he was basically like that. This isn't constitutional. I'm not paying you this. Like, this is my land and I'm going to yeah. graze my cattle here if I want to. Um, and so, of course, they they tried to come and. Um, arrest him for not paying his fees and fines. Um, and they had a standoff. And then later on uh, the, a couple of years, I want to say it was a year or so later, they overtook this federal wildlife building. Yeah. And it was a whole giant thing. The FBI, everything was involved and ended up being acquitted of charges. I don't think everybody that went there was, 
Um, but I does, you know, regardless of what you think about the situation, I think one thing we can take away from that is that at the end of the day, the, the government really doesn't have that much power if the people are willing uh, to stand up for themselves, so to speak. And uh, it, you saw it in a, in a small case like that. Um, even if the, you know, the government has tanks and planes and all that, you get enough people together, they're really powerless. Um, I want to say in the Waco thing, what is it? There's 20 citizens to every, uh, no, there's more than that. It's like maybe a hundred or 200 citizens to every one police officer included, including all of, you know, federal officers and things like that. So mm-hmm. I think, anyway. yeah, oh, like, go ahead. Oh, sorry. It's like the big, the, the big fear with it is like, well, you know, it's like, it is like the tanks and the, the, the military coming in. And, and I think that kind of like, this is like, Oh, well, once that happens, like, you know, then it's going to be a civil war and type of thing. But I think, you know, I, I, I think really the people do have a lot more power, but it's, it's, they, they get this misguided um, anger and they're, they're directing their anger and frustration towards the wrong people. You saw that in Occupy Wall Street. It was like, why are they, you know, they're like, they're, they're protesting Wall Street. It's like Wall Street doesn't have any power over policy and tax rates. Why are you, you know, like, like, I mean, te- I mean, te- yes, they do because lobbying, but I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, like, if they wanted to really make a change, it should have, it should have been occupied DC and they should have all went down to the white house, all went down to, to Congress and they should have been protesting down there. And it's like, we had, we had enough of this. Like if they really want to change now, whether or not, you know, their, their viewpoint of it was misguided. I think, I think they were thinking more like, Oh, you know, we're, they're up at the 1% and we don't have any money. Let's take their, uh, we want, their money to be given to i mean they were it's like they were protesting wall street for them to give them their money so they could go to school for free or something it was like and that was just like one viewpoint it was that was kind of like a there wasn't one viewpoint for that whole movement but um you know the the point is they they people uh, it i i think the whole point of our constitution and our former government was so that when we did want to enact change all we have to do is vote for it and we have representatives that are supposed to be representing us. And if they don't represent us and we, we speak our mind and we vote, but with, you know, the, the two major parties here, they made it into, uh, if you vote against us, then you're, you're, you, you hate America. And then if you vote for a third party, you're wasting your vote. And people, I think over the course of decades, people are just getting fed up and it's coming out in anger and they don't really understand the anger. They're just like afraid. It's, it's like they're afraid they're going to lose their rights and, and everything. And it's it's not I, I don't think it's going to go that far. And, you know, like you have people like, oh, Biden is going to take away the and Harris are going to take away guns. It's like they're not going to take away. guns. Like imagine imagine Joe Biden getting up there and saying we're going to confiscate your weapons and let's see him march into like South Carolina. <laughs> and trying to take right. and trying you know what i mean like the, it's it's not going to happen i mean you can't you, you can't confiscate firearms I mean, it's it's that's never going to happen you can put reg, you can try and pass regulations on you can have like one bullet in your chamber you can have you know no bump stocks but you're never going to confiscate i, I can see them doing a voluntary buyback program like a like a a, a cash for clunkers you know, get send us your uh, your crappy uh, AR-15 and, and we'll send you way more money than, than what it's worth or something like that. Uh, but I don't see them doing a mandatory confiscation. No, they, 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 they can't, can't. It can't happen. The, cop, yeah, I mean, yes. the cops wouldn't even... Cops in most states would not even do that. Sheriffs would not do it. Um, well, sheriffs it, definitely wouldn't do it, but yeah. I mean, the, the, the police wouldn't even want to get involved with that because yeah. they're like... they're like I mean, after all these protests, 
Mm-hmm. They're definitely not going to want to do that. They're going to be like, right. forget that. I mean, first, first you, first you, you paint us as we're all, we're all Satan. And, you know, it's not just the bad guys that are Satan, but like even, even the cops that are just, you know, upholding, you know, the law that that's written They're they're, they're evil too. Then you're going to cut the department pay. So like they're, you know, you're cutting their pay and then you're going to tell them, Oh yeah, you got to go into these people's homes and start grabbing their, their firearms. <laughs> they're going to be like, Nope. You know, it's, it's, it's not, not it's, it's, it's unreal. So, but again, it's a fear tactic and that's, you know, that's education and media and politicians and it's all, it, they all work together in some sort of way that, you know, we won't understand unless we kiss the ring and get into the club that we're not invited to. But, you know, we're it's, it's the fear that a lot of people display now is just it's it's sad to see that people are that afraid, like like they're, they're that afraid. And I mean, yes, they can say like, oh, well, you you know, you're in a uh, you're not in a marginalized group. You know, you're a white male you're not going to be affected by these things. And it's like, no, but like, you know, we're all going to be affected by this. Like if riots break out, we're all affected by that. We're all affected by decisions that people make on a big scale for a society. But what's the, what's the best way to get this done? Is it burning down a city or is it like spreading peacefully your beliefs to people? And then you vote in somebody that is going to represent you in government and start to change the culture of government, replacing government with, with even more government isn't going to solve anything. You have to go the other way. You have to make people, you know, it's like that. It's like, and another thing that I just thought of that it affects it is probably the internet too, because it is, it's a giant echo chamber of, of fear. You know, you, you, and especially I see it more with the left than the right, but like the left really that, you know, if they don't agree with you, they, they will, you know, a lot of people, they will, um, they'll unfriend you or they'll block you and things like they don't want to have any, but they don't want to have any conversation with anybody with a dissenting point of view. And not, not everybody. I mean, I have friends again that I talk to daily that on the opposite side of, of the political spectrum, but, um, um, they, you know, that it, it, that creates an echo chamber for them. And then when you have three angry people that are hopped up on emotions in a room and they're all yelling about the same thing, they're going to get even more amped up and angry about it. And I think social media plays a big, huge part in, in that fear and that the violence and everything. I think that just the, 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 the whole, the, there's no, the, like, you know, we're able to sit here and have a video conversation and we're all, you know, we, we can all have a normal conversation, but like a lot of people, they would not, they wouldn't put the camera on. They wouldn't want to look at you in the face because it just it becomes socially awkward because of the, the internet and the mm-hmm. phones and they don't know how to express a thought or an idea like clearly out to, to a bunch of people. So it gets frustrating for them and then they can react out in, a, in an angry way. And with them, when they're with a group of people that are frustrated too, you know, and it gets that group mentality kind of thing. And then you start, you know, you start, you start acting out and then you add, you know, age into it and lack of ex- life experience into it. And you wind up with, it's, it's, it's a, it's like a powder keg of, of emotion that's guided in the wrong the wrong places like what do the immigrant bagel store have to do with, with you know like with, you know like any any of the racial hate it's a, it's like it's ridiculous you know but then yes people and they go like oh the government will just you know the, the insurance will just pay for it don't worry about it and it's like no that's not how this works like what what you're gonna wake up tomorrow and the store is gonna be back you know you're gonna wake up tomorrow and everything you know all the the, the destruction that you did is gonna be gone like there's people still their businesses are still closed yeah and you have 
you have people boarding up their businesses because of the election. It's like it's how afraid people are now, and it's 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 sad to see that that that's how people react because the president, the pre- the president's not supposed to do anything. He's supposed to he's supposed to run the army if we get attacked, or if there's like three states that can't decide, you know. Uh, you know, like if there's a piece of land that coincides in three states, he's supposed to go in there and, you know, be like, hey, guys, like, you know, let's sit the governors down. Let's talk about it. He's supposed to be an executive and like trying to smooth over interstate problems. He's not supposed to be, you know, making you feel like your your rights are going to be taken away. So, like, I mean, like, in a way, I understand where, like, you know, the, these progressive lefts are like afraid, you know, women are afraid, like Trump, you know, if Trump gets elected, he's going to take away my rights. But like, it shouldn't even get to that point. It shouldn't even be a thought if one person gets elected that that's what's going to happen. You should be afraid if the guy, if you know your senators and 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 congressmen are talking about doing that. That's where you should really be afraid. You know, it's yeah. the it's president's supposed dead. to meet. He's supposed to meet with kings, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. in other <laughs> countries. That's <laughs> that was the original intent was to have someone, you know, that was that was able to meet with kings to discuss you know, policy or foreign policy and foreign matters. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, you know, a couple more questions just to round this out, uh, you know, to, kind of to wrap up the political discussion here. And then I'm going to ask you about uh, some music. Um, wh- what do you think? Do you think all of this is really inevitable as we look throughout history that societies, no matter what we do, uh, there's always, it's always going to eventually, um, f- you know, fractionate, uh, turn into factions and, and eventually, uh, devolve uh, because this is just human nature or do you think that um you know there is a way that we can or there can be some education or some type of togetherness where people will stop looking at you as the enemy if you have a difference of opinion um i think it's 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 mostly inevitable that it happens, but in, in in a couple of ways. I mean, like it already happened once. If, you know, the Civil War, it already it already divided, and you know whether or not you know. I mean, there is definitely room for debate and what the real reason that the Civil War started. I mean, but really, it was about you know states' rights and and and, and, and slavery, pretty much. That's the, you know those are the two big things there. But like you know, it it did split then, and then the split was forced to come back together again. And then you had huge government regulations in the South on, on people's rights, you know, namely, namely the, the, the freed slaves. And it just made everything worse for them for an even longer turn point. So, you know, you have, I think it's inevitable that, you know, these, these things are going to happen, but it's, it's the way that you deal with, with these, these splits and these, and these, these, you know, factions coming out. And the, the, the ingenious part of, of the constitution is the fact that it, it, it kind of, it kind of compensated for that with, with the the whole, with, with the representative branch. And they knew, they, they knew, because, I mean, if you think about it, the representatives and the congressmen are the factions. I mean, we each, you know, like it, it, they're smaller districts, they're, they're representatives for more localized areas. So it kind of it, it kind of saw that that's what was going to happen. Now I don't think I don't think the founders really knew. You know, they, obviously, you know, there's, you, you can't know the future, like where you know how big the country was going to get, how influential the country was going to get to, you know, and like where the the world was going to turn to. But they they knew that this kind of setup is is the best way to to kind of ease that tension. But I mean, you, 
I mean, again, you know, uh, I think I think Milton Friedman said it. It was uh, it was Friedman or yeah, I think it was Friedman. He said capitalism and and freedom um, isn't uh, it, it's not like insured, but it's a necessary component to like capitalism is a necessary component to, to, to freedom. Meaning that you you know just because wherever you have wherever you have capitalism doesn't mean you're going to have freedom. But wherever you have freedom, you're going to see that there's always capitalism there. And really, I think that's what you're that's kind of the viewpoint that we need to look for now is we need to see like what where how we're all going to be more free. And I think that'll start to ease this 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 divide up. And it's it's really the government telling us. So, I mean, like, really, like, if the government wasn't involved in anything, if they weren't involved in marriage, they weren't involved in the drug war, they weren't involved. I mean, people would just be you have a disagreement with someone, you decide if you want to talk to him or not, and you you move on. Because then the government can affect your rights. You're not going to be afraid if you're going to take away like abortion rights. They're not going to be afraid if they're going to take away gay, ma- you know, your, your right to marry. They're not. You're not going to be afraid if they're going to take away the guns or not. And no one's afraid. No one's angry. And then you then you can start arguing about like oh maybe the tax rate should be this or maybe we should tax people like that but I mean at the end of the day I mean that's you know there, there's no social aspect in it I think once the government started getting involved in social activity with people that that's when it just it it was like inevitable now that this is going to happen because now they're it's that identity politics they're now they're they're separating us into groups it's that I think I think it's inevitable that government will separate us into into groups because that's how they control us they divide us and then they pin us against each other and then they they they, they do it. and that's that's what that's what happened and i think that's inevitable so you need a government that can't that doesn't do that at all yeah and and, and a lot of the, and a lot of it I, I i think you know a lot of people talk about term limits and like doing amendments for term limits and stuff like that like if i was if i was a congressman or a senator or something i would i would put in a bill for no law in the United States government, federal government can be more than like, you know, two typed pages and you give like the, the font dimensions of it. And any any bill, any bill that passes has to be two pages. And then that means you and I can read it. And we don't have to hire a, t- a, a law team to go in there and like, read. I mean, these congressmen don't read their laws. Like some Thomas they, Massey they, they, they kind of laws. Those kind of things, like one page. Is it Thomas Massey or Justin Mosh has put out stuff? Thomas like, Massey does that. Like yeah. One one sentence laws before, like one paragraph. I love that. <laughs> As of this day, abolish the Department of Education. Yeah, that was his law. That was no, it. that's 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 what it should be. No, but like really, that's that. Yeah. You know that it, it it should be. I mean, maybe not that. I mean, that's you know he's being tongue in cheek with it to right. point. Yeah. But um, I mean, like you know, if if you're really making a law or regulation and you're passing a federal government, it should be like one page. That's all it should be. There's no need for, I mean, you have, you have Nancy Pelosi saying like, Oh, like we don't know what's in the law until it's passed. Like that's, that's how you find out what's in it. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what the hell's going on? You can't, you can't run, you can't run a society like that. It's Isn't like, that kind of crazy? It. <laughs> yeah. That's so nuts. It's so, it's uh, to round this out a little bit, I'm, I'm going to ask you, um, you know, uh, what pushed you towards music and then uh, describe the feeling of playing a show for us. Cool. Um, so both my parents are music teachers. So I grew up with music my, my whole life. My dad's um, a band director in public school on Long Island. And my mom, um, she's retired now, but she was um, a choral teacher and like a general music teacher in, in, in public school. And um, basically, uh, you know, I grew up around music. Um, 
when I was a kid, I would listen to more of um, like jazz and uh, uh, classical music. And um, when I was a kid, it was like right during the boom of uh, uh, the Disney Renaissance age of like all the musical um, Disney movies. So like I was, you know, I, I loved all those. And um, so I kind of, and uh, some bands, like some like seventies, eighties bands, like that my parents would do like Chicago and things like that. So like, it kind of like that kind of shaped my, my, um, my musicality, I guess. Um, when I was, how old was I? Eight. Uh, I picked up the violin. That's like my, I guess my classically trained instrument. I, I've been playing, you know, I've been playing piano since I was like, you know, like a little, like six or something. It's like doodling around on it and like teaching myself. And what pushed me towards music was like, it just like, I've always wanted to do it. I, 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 it, you know, when you, when you have like a passion or like, you know, you, you however you want to view it, you know, if it's, it's your passion, your God given gift or whatever, you, however you view it, you know, you, it, I, I, I do believe for me, that's music. And I, I, I feel like me writing music and then watching people um, enjoy it and it gives them happiness and joy, or, you know, it, 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 um, it makes them feel something that they normally wouldn't feel like in like day to day. I mean, like, you know, kind of, kind of tied into positive. Everyone's afraid all the time. If I could just, if I could just take them out of that, and that's another reason why I play power metal too, because it's all like fantasy based. So like, if I could just take them out of reality for a little bit and make them happy for a short period of time, that that's, you know, that's why I, I like doing what I'm doing and I, I enjoy doing it. I enjoy the process, like the recording process. I just think it's fun. It's like you're putting a puzzle together. It's like, it's like music nerdy Legos. You're putting, you're putting everything <laughs> together and it's like, Oh, wow. And uh, I think performing for people, I mean, there, there's, there's nothing like it. I mean, you, 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 I mean, people, people are like it there's 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 just there's just nothing like it you get asked how i I can't imagine how it must feel like playing it's like no you can't until you do it you know and it's 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 completely different from when you uh from when you um like do public speaking and um when you know you, you look out at a crowd of people i mean we played uh last year before you know shit at the fan with the music industry um um we played one show in brooklyn with a band from sweden they were doing like a three-show tour type of thing for the new album they came over here and we played with them it was a packed house people were going insane you know you like look out and then we did a music festival in charlotte and north carolina and you know we we got up there and we're playing and uh you know just having the people like singing back the words and everything and they're all like excited and you know like the, the place we played at charlotte was like this hole in the wall it was like the diviest of dives i mean you, you can like it was just it was like the sound quality was like nothing on it and it was just this hole in the wall awful place but like you know pete the energy that people gave off when they like your music i mean it doesn't matter you can be playing you know at a like a you know like a line six combo amp like a 10 watt line six combo amp and like it'll be like like you know when people love your music you know it's that energy that that you know that people like appreciate you know the hard work that you put in and the the um the craft that you put in and that's that's what i like about it I, I i like i just like making people like happy and making them feel like this is you know this is this is a good thing yeah music kind of transcends uh everything else really mm-hmm. it's, it's uh it's an amazing thing um Nate and i retired though so we retired <laughs> yeah. no it's 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 tough and i mean you guys tough were probably business. right there around like where like all right 
now it's like online is going to be the next thing. Yeah. Like MySpace and everything. And, but you know, like, and now it's like, Oh crap, MySpace is dying. Like, what are we going to do? You know? And it's like, right now it's tough. I mean, I, like, I have no idea what's going to happen because I'm I'm looking at bands like in my genre, like, you know, that are like the, you know, major like leading players in the genre right now. And they've already postponed their tours like two, three times because of the pandemic. And they're, they're like, Oh, we have to do it in this fall. Now this fall came up. Oh, we're doing it next fall. And they're in Europe where, you know, and from Sweden where it's supposed to be open, but like they can't go anywhere. I mean, Italy just locked down again. Milan's closed. You can't go anywhere. Uh, You know, it's like there's still and we don't really hear about that right now because of the election. The news is all focused on the election. But um, I don't don't know what's going to happen. I'm I'm thinking probably the best thing to do now for musicians and musicians out there listening, um, probably doing the uh, like the Patreon band camp subscription type thing in, in the in the short term um just to uh yeah we used you know. to do uh before we stopped playing we were doing a website called stage it that was doing uh you know like live live shows and people could tip and pay to watch it and do all kinds of stuff like that and stage it takes like 40 percent of the money but it's but it's ridiculous um when you do it something for a for a tip like we would do something like uh our lead singer she we had this custom costume made for her for a music video, and we we're like, "Hey, whoever tips the most gets that." And someone, and like someone, ended up paying like two thousand dollars for it. And and so doing little stuff like that, building building fans, building super fans. Um, there's some really good books on marketing you can read, and it's the it's the very small, you know, it's the one percent of your fans are gonna pay your bills for you. The super fans. Oh my god! Yeah, no. Pay. It's it's insane. Uh, we had um we we came out with an EP in 2014, and we recorded the EP in like five different people's homes. Our um studio monitor was our bass player's heart camp at one person's house. <laughs> we, we we had it we had it like Jerry rigged, and like the monitor was like the the HD TV, and we you know we recorded it and we put it out and we sold it for like five bucks. And uh, um you know it it was like it was a long EP. It was like a, it was like longer than most albums. It was like a 50 minute long EP. It was like the, the oh, songs wow. are really long on it. Wow. And, uh, we, uh, you know, we, a five song EP and we, uh, we, we released it and then, you know, it kind of died down and then we started writing our, our, our debut album and, you know, we released our first album, um, last summer in July. And I think earlier this year, it must've been like February or March, like right before the virus hit, like it was like right when like everything started locking down, I found like 20 copies of the EP, physical copies of the EP. Hmm. And I was like. Oh shit. So I, I went on, I went on Facebook and I went on Bandcamp and I put them up for sale on Bandcamp. And I, uh, I was like, we have 20 copies left of the EP and I put it up for $5 more and people spend like 20 bucks, 30 bucks on them <laughs> just, just to get them. Last thing they were saying, can you sign it? And it was like, yeah, so we signing them. We were putting them up and they, you know, they, they when they wanted that, they, they were like, Oh wow. I thought I missed out on this. Cause we, I mean, we had it up for digital download, but we, I thought we were out of the physical copies and then we found them and we're like, Oh wow, we have some leftover. So we, uh, we, we sold them and they sold that in less than a day. It was, it was insane. It was like, wow, these people have, you know, really, you know, appreciate the the music and everything. And, yeah. you know, so I, I think that's, it's going to have to be online for a while. I mean, I know some bands in Japan, they've been streaming on concerts, like on the weekends and stuff. And like, they do like a full set. They, they go to like a, like a, I guess it's like a rehearsal studio mm-hmm. or like a, it's like a venue type of thing. And uh, they, they, they perform like they're performing to a crowd and they just stream it live for people to see. And uh, yeah. like, I mean, if we're going to wind up into that Orwellian future, <laughs> we're, we're going to, you know, this weird Blade Runner kind of future where we're all digitally plugged into music. I mean, I, if they can I, record it in like VR, that'd be amazing. You know, 
Just everyone yeah. get their VR sets on and you can stand there like you're at a show. And everybody can be at the front without being without being crushed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> without being mad at you, Charlie. Because yeah. when Charlie's in the front, people yell at him because he's yeah. he's six seven, so uh, yep. it's, it's uh, we'll have, you know, the NSA looking in on our um iris. Yeah, true. Taking our information. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Matt, it was great talking to you, man. I really, really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, you yeah, know, enjoyed you learning too. about you, and it, you know, it seems like you um, are are a decent human being who doesn't <laughs> wish harm on anyone, and so that we appreciate that. And uh, well, you are against know, death, so I yeah. mean, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> a member of Antita. Yeah. So <laughs> no, it was great talking to you, man. We really appreciate yeah. it. No problem, and. Uh, Thanks for having me on. And um, I'm just going to do a quick plug for my band. Go ahead. Anybody who's interested in listening to Disney metal, <laughs> this is pretty much what it sounds like. Um, you go to uh, shadowstrikeofficial.com and it'll take you to our music. Okay. Shadowstrike. I'm going to awesome. put that in the show notes for this episode when we put it out. So uh, if anyone didn't hear that right there, it's going to be shadowstrikeofficial.com. Uh, Official.com. Official. Yeah. Yep. All right. See, I already forgot it. That's why it's good to put in the notes right there. Okay, cool. And, uh, yeah, if I do wind up running for office as a libertarian, just pray I don't wind up like uh, Biden in that convertible ride in Dallas. Oh, good. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll be okay. If you, do, uh, if you do run for office, let us know. We'll do a, we'll, we'll yeah. have you back on again sometime. I'm yeah, I've been, I've been playing around with the idea, but I, I the way things are right now, no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be in fact. I wouldn't touch it with a 20 foot pole. <laughs> Hope you guys like this week's RHP podcast. I thought it was pretty good. Always fun talking to a fellow musician, joking around, cutting up, had a good time. If you liked it, tell a friend. If this is your first time listening, make sure you hit subscribe or follow. We got a new Rehumanizing Project episode coming out every single week on Sunday when we want to, which is pretty much every single Sunday. Okay. And of course, Listen to the Good Morning Liberty podcast every single day of the week when we want to. Talking news, politics, life, liberty, the pursuit of meaning all the time. All right, guys. Until then, see you next time.